Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Monday's episode of a Terra Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and I am joined on this occasion by Craig Cairns. How you doing, fella? I'm alright, in person. Thank you for making the trip to, to Tony's abode to, to record this with me. It was brilliant, I got fed. <laughs> <laughs> well, what more could you want from life? <laughs> right, it's just the two of us flying, I was going to say two of us flying solo. I guess we could be doing two separate solo flights that just don't go, try, Don't go, try and make it work. Go parallel together. <laughs> If I start to have a really strong inflection on the end of my sentences, does, does that help me? No? no? Okay. Right, let's uh, get to business then, and let's start with the big game for the weekend. Let's not be churlish about this one and try and pretend that something else was bigger. It was Rangers against Celtic at Ibrox, a real six-pointer in the title race. And Craig, as to be says, looks like the title is going to Celtic Park. Yeah, but... I mean, for a for a few minutes, it looked like it, <laughs> might, have, <laughs> it might have been that the title race was still on. But uh, yeah, it looked like. I mean, you've got to think that Giovanni van Bronckhorst had been uh, obsessing about this game since the last one because they were they absolutely had their pants pulled down in that one, and he wasn't going to let that happen again. And I think the 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 pressing that Rangers got right for a while because Celtic were spooked. Um, I think it looked like that he did have a game plan which worked for a little while, but I think what it came down to in the end was, I think a lot of it was down to mentality because I think you look at Celtic, it could have got a lot worse for them. They rode it out, they got back into it quickly and then Rangers didn't really have any ideas after that. I mean, they had a lot of the ball and stuff, but it became an exercise where Celtic were happy to say, let's see what you've got and Rangers... They were just trying the same things over and over again. It, it ended up where they just it, it 
rather than have a plan B, it just seemed like it was get more and more people forward. And it just, Hart had one really good save, another comfortable one, and that was about it. Yeah, for Rangers' point of view, I think there was a real kind of game plan to try and get free kicks into Celtic's box. But Celtic, Celtic's defence haven't been... Celtic's defence has been terrible this season in terms of set pieces. Overall, the defence has been good, uh, despite the, the reputation they have where the, there is a kind of perceived softness to them. And I think that softness comes from games that are... Games that remain close. And then they run out of legs a little bit in the last 30 minutes and then they can look a lot more open, especially when they, they continue to try and do their pressing and it's just not really getting there and then they begin to look quite leggy. Which, to be fair, I think they did uh, in terms of their pressing towards the end of this game with... The obviously exception of Days and Maida, who I think can, I think he ran home for the game. <laughs> I think he's maybe, I think his next holiday back to Japan, he's going to just run the majority if he can, and then just keep running up and down lengths on the boat until he eventually arrives. His 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 stamina was just absolutely ridiculous uh, throughout that match, but you can still see, I think as well, that Celtic did get a wee bit leggy towards the end. But then their their centre backs were doing such a great job of defending the box that they really didn't have too much to worry about. And I thought it was something that even Celtic themselves were a bit concerned about because there was a number of balls whipped into the area from Rangers where I thought the kind of normal course of action would be to try and just knock it behind for a corner. But often the Celtic centre-backs, like, try to... There was a couple of occasions where... I'm trying to remember who it was. Now, Carl Vickers certainly done one of them. I'm trying to remember who done the other one. It might even been Jack Amatkis back defending, where he, instead of knocking it behind for a corner, as he was kind of facing that way as a ball went in front of him, they kind of volleyed it away, like loop volleyed it back into kind of play. And you thought, well, that's usually a risky strategy. But the first game of the season beside between them was decided by a set piece. Celtic this season, in terms of the ratio of set pieces of goals that have come from set pieces is by far the worst in the league. I think that's skewed a little bit because they've conceded so few goals, though. Quite possibly, yeah. But that is the kind of that is a one weakness to get to them, and that's something that Rangers have traditionally been quite good at. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, across like James Tavernier, I, I know he's he's not had a good season this campaign in terms of his crossing, and that probably showed again. But they, they, they tried that for a bit, but even that tactic seems to go out the window. And then just yeah, the last half an hour, it just kind of Celtics. Celtic could afford to kind of sit back a bit more because Rangers didn't really have much else other than just try and load up the box and get balls into it. And it just kind of became a, a case of repelling that. And as you say, there was only really one chance that Hart had to had to make in the end. And Hart's had a very good season as well. I think this leads me on to something else I want to bring up, and that's Alan McGregor. I think it's clear that he's made some match-winning saves, including this season, um, and some of the things he's pulled off in Europe and all that kind of, uh, kind of thing. There's no doubt in how good a goalkeeper he's been over his career it's clear he's been on the wane this season. Mm-hmm. And it could be... I mean, I know it's not just one factor, but when you're talking about margins and winning titles and things like that, a good goalkeeper can be the difference. And I was looking at it today, and from the goals that they... From the games that they've conceded points in, he's been culpable for in quite a few of the games. Both the draws with Motherwell at home. Yep. Um, the Away game equaliser that Halkett got at Ibrox yep. late oh, on. The three all, uh, those alone are worth eight points. Those matches, um, he's been culpable for at least a goal in those matches. And again, yesterday, I mean, I know that it's absolutely criminal that Rogic is just absolutely ignored in yeah. that area of the box by so many defenders. Like, even if it's a second phase of play or whatever, it's, it's absolutely criminal that he's got that amount of space. But McGregor's got to do better with that shot. That's not a great strike from Hattati. That's not the, the kind of strikes he was hitting in the last Old Firm match. Yeah. That was a 
bread and butter save for him, and he's either got to he's either got to kill that ball or he's got to get it away from the from the danger area. And the second goal, while I wouldn't point the finger at him directly, I think that's been a big part of what's been missing from his game. He doesn't really command his box like he used to, and he barely ever comes for any crosses. And that was quite a deep cross, and you think yep. that some goalkeepers would come for that, and then you've got possession again. And yeah, I, I just think uh, I just think he sticks to his line far too often. Yeah, no disagreement here on on McGregor. I thought. Um we, our timing couldn't have been worse than the top twelve goalkeepers list I had McGregor fourth, but he just tells it like he's. And, and yeah, I would say that my my own ranker on that podcast was probably there was probably a certain amount of bias there because I don't have BT Sport, so I don't see Rangers and Celtic in Europe. So I've, I've just really seen them in domestic football. Joe Hart's not made an error for me in domestic football as far as I can remember, and McGregor has made quite a few. Yeah. And that was that was why I kind of had McGregor fourth I think, of the list behind Xander Clark, which might have been a wee bit too premature. Yeah. Uh, because I'm not sure Xander Clark's making those mistakes. But then again, Xander Clark's not made a mistake this season in the league. Yeah. And that that is going to save his team. Because if you think about a replacement level goalkeeper for St. Johnson, like Elliot Parrish, had him in goals all season, would St. Johnson have the, the lead they now have at the bottom? Probably not. So yeah, exactly, yeah. good goalkeepers, as we know in football, make up these marginal gains and as you've said, he's cost them at least eight points this season, and they are now six points behind Celtic. Is it over? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, re- Celtic are, what, 32 domestic matches unbeaten or something crazy like that? I think we saw them have their stumble and they, they got through it. They've had a much better January, and you could argue the last two transfer windows um, have been much better. You can... It's not... Obviously, it's easy to see some of the sign-ins and say, okay, they're clearly Ange Postacoglu sign-ins, I'm not sure about some of the other ones, like O'Reilly and all that kind of stuff, but combined, they've had what, about 80-90% hit rate and they've, uh, I mean, I know there's a few, maybe, projects or fringe players that were signed at the start of the season that we might see further down the line, they might just end up going to have a few loans and then and then leave but, um, in terms of the ones that they've signed for the first team they've, like I say, 80-90% hit rate and Rangers, it's gone the other way, I mean, look Sands and that backup right back. I mean, it's not really needed a right back, so that's it's a bit yeah. of a, a moot point that one. But you just look at the he's, he's just the next uh, Matt Polston, or yeah, Polston yeah, or whatever exactly. his name was. The, the old the over reliance on Morelos has been a big thing. It, has that played a part in him being injured? And the fact that they've not had an adequate backup striker again, that's another big factor. Well, that was in my notes winning the league because this is what Kamal Roof was brought in for was to be. Morelos, because they never really had anybody behind Morelos before, and they brought in Roof because they needed somebody to do that. And Roof was very good last season. It's not had a good year this year. It's other quite, than an impact player. Yeah, it's quite clear that Giovanni van Bronckhurst doesn't really rate him that highly. He's kind of forced to use him, and Roof was he was a, a dangerous to an extent around the penalty box, but you can see just how much you lose when Morelos is not in the team. In terms of just having somebody to occupy defenders and make life hard for them and do things other than be a threat inside 18 yards. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. And but to talk more about Celtic and to add what you've said, because I think yesterday was a big part, sorry, a big part of yesterday was the defence, as you, as you mentioned. And he's gone through quite a few stages with that defence where he tried a few different combinations at the cent- at the back at first, the centre back pairing. Then he settled on those two, went through a lot of teething problems, and then he even had a phase where they seemed to look 
bombscarish most games. Like they'd have moments, most matches, but they were still getting way more clean sheets than anybody else. And now they've settled into at least domestically a very good defensive unit. There's no doubt in that they've been a very good defensive. They are a very good defensive unit now. Ah, Carter Vickers especially uh, is really a standout player and uh, a good finish as well has to be said to the game. Um, one thing I finally want to do before we move on is the decision to start Tom Rogic. I, if you'd asked me before the game, I would have said it was maybe a mistake because the midfield three that they started against Rangers in the game at Parkhead worked so well in terms of Matt O'Reilly starting alongside McGregor and Rio Hitati. But it was clear that uh, it was clear within about twenty minutes. It <laughs> started Rogic, well, it was clear at seven minutes. But then you can just see for his overall performance, Rogic in the first half was just outstanding. But it did look like. Uh, I mean, Rogic. I mean, all I want to say about Rogic is he's a, he's a big game player, and he, yeah. you get those moments out of him uh, in those occasions. He's done it time and time again throughout his Celtic career. Um, but I was thinking for about the first six or seven minutes, yes, that has he made a mistake not doing. Similar to what we talked about a few weeks ago at Livingston when he played Beaton. Now, I mean, I know Beaton's not ideal, an ideal player that you want to bring into uh, a, an old firm match in terms of quality, but it looked like in the early stages of the match, like has he made a mistake by not being a bit more protective in his midfield? But they, like I say, they rode it out and they, they showed great mentality to, to turn that around. Looking at the, the table, I asked you, I'll, I'll give my thoughts on it briefly as well before we move on. I, I think this is Celtic's title now. There is, we've seen we've seen Celtic and Rangers teams of the past let slip leads of, of this stature or similar to this stature at this kind of late junction in the, season, in the season. I don't see it happening on this occasion for two, three reasons. Three reasons, I would say. One, I don't see Rangers winning at Celtic Park. They're going to have to, really. Two, Rangers playing in Europe for at least another two games is going to mean they're the ones that are going to appear more leggy than Celtic try to get across the line. And three, who's who's Celtic losing to? Aye, so Hearts are going to be Hearts are either going to be on their holidays or they're going to be thinking about the Scottish Cup final and little else. Everybody else, yeah, there's still there'll be still a bit of competition. And in fairness, there hasn't been too many easy games for for Celtic and Rangers this season, despite how piss poor like a lot of the league is and there are, the teams 4, 5 and 6 are all going to be at least until you know the second last week of the season you would think battling it out for what might be a European place so there is something to play for but those teams are just so bad and like they're either teams that are like come up for like who've been near the bottom of the table all season long like your Ross Counties or they're a team that's been rubbish for like most of this year like Motherwell or Hibs or possibly Aberdeen so Regardless of what you look at, you're not looking at any of those teams and going, yeah, they're... they're if, if a Rangers fan looked at that, you would be like, okay, they can maybe take points, they can maybe take points. It's not really going to happen. I'll just add to that quickly. Um, the next match is... So Celtic have a much better goal difference, so it's effectively another yeah. point. So Celtic would have to lose to Rangers at Celtic Park and then, I think, drop points in at least two other matches. And you're right, where, where's that coming from? And um, not only that, but the ne- next weekend... Rangers in Europe again, means they play on Sunday. Celtic are playing a day ahead and it's against St Johnston and what they've dropped points once against yeah. St Johnston in what, 17 matches or something <laughs> mental like that. So, yeah. I think probably since, uh, is it that game when uh, Lee Griffiths uh, scored 30 goals or something, 40 goals and then St Johnston won 2-1. Maybe I don't know. Last time. Can't remember, can't remember. It's been a while, yeah. Right. Let's move on to our next game, but let's do so after these messages. 
Okay, let's go to the most entertaining game of the weekend. One of the most entertaining games I've seen in a while. St Mirren, Mother, oh sorry, Motherwell, St Mirren, I've wrote this back to, uh, let me just uh, correct that before I say that wrong again. It's Motherwell versus St Mirren, not St Mirren versus Motherwell, Craig, you idiot. 4-2 to the hosts, 3-2 up at half time. That first half has to be one of the most open games of football I've ever seen in my life. There was five goals that easily could have been about three or four more. And even in the second half as well, it wasn't quite as open, but it was still quite a stretched game and still chances at both ends. And it still could have been ended up a couple more goals. It was 4-2, really, without any exaggeration. It could have been about 6-4 and it wouldn't have been out of place. The, the defending from both teams was horrific. <laughs> but good. I like that. I like when defending's very bad because it means that you get a good attacking play. And there was, there was certainly... To be fair, I think a lot of the attackers did play well. I thought Kevin Van Veen had a, an excellent game leading the line for, for Motherwell. Uh, at, through the centre, and then when he moved out left in the second half, you could see what he does for that that fourth goal. It was a tremendous run down the wing, and then and then the cutback for the goal. And I also thought that Connor Shields looked uh, one of his best performances for Motherwell. Over at St Mirren, I thought that Connor Ronan had a good game again, and I thought that Brophy played reasonably well, despite being on the losing team. But... Most players like outside of that <laughs> were fairly pitched, although there was still some decent play. Motherwell, Sabin had quite a bit of the ball. Uh, it, it, more, and more as the match went on, Motherwell were kind of dominating things early on. Um, but then kind of, Sabin got a foothold of things, but they just couldn't defend whatsoever. But Motherwell were, were buoyed by the fact that Sean Goss, I thought, had a, a decent game uh, for them. And Cam Slattery, back in the team, as he should be. And he's back in the team, Motherwell winning again. Coincidence? I think not. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, I think um, Stephen Robinson didn't manage a goal in his first three matches or something like that. And then recently, it's like he's just gone right. <laughs> he's just gone completely like you have to go out and score goals, but it's at the expense of them. Was it like 10 goals in three matches they've conceded now? And I mean, in this game, I would say they were slightly hindered, well, probably more than slightly, they were hindered by the fact that Dean Linus was in goals. Yeah, uh, I was going to say. Jack Anik. I mean, Dean Linus made a, a terrific, like really incredible double save in the second half from Slattery and then from Efford following it up. Both of those saves are really good. But he should do better with the first goal and he should probably do better with the third as well. He just falls over. Yeah, you, did, you mentioned the poor defending, and I was going to add to that that the goalkeeping kind of added to that as well. Because I think, yeah, the first four Liam Kelly goals, was Mirren's second one. What the fuck is he doing? Yeah, he's not fouled. Try to claim a foul, and the only player that's touching him is his own defender. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, uh, he was just he was just caught under it and trying to make excuses like goalkeepers often do. But yeah, the first four goals in this match, if I'm not mistaken, they were all via horrendous effort uh, errors even though the Connor Shields one was a was a fantastic finish yeah it's a good finish and it's a very kind of bright and alert run but is uh, is it McCarthy who lets it just run for no reason Shaughnessy yeah yeah McCarthy was poor for the was it the fourth goal I think he was poor for when he tries to stop Van Veen and gets yeah. anywhere near him. Um, he made a few people look silly there, Van Veen, though. Yeah, and Richard Tate scored a road goal as well, and um, Marcus Fraser getting done for that goal. Also, not a good day for the St. back line, but yeah, like the defendants, the St. Mirren were bouncing a bit over the place here, but there was just so much to talk about in this game in terms of kind of action. The first goal as well, the opening goal, Brophy's. What the hell is going on in the mother of real guard? And I gave, um, I mean, with the exception of the pinball stuff, I gave... Slattery some praise there and he was good to get back in the team and Motherwell fans really appreciate him because not only is he quite tenacious but he's somebody who's quite a 
kind of progressive passer of the ball. He's not somebody who's scared to, to put it forward. And he's somebody who kind of plays with his head up as well, which is always you kind of like to see for your midfielders. But he is dreadful for that opener. And it's such a weird decision that he makes. Like, because he, he's closing down. It's Ronan that has the ball, isn't it? He's closing down yeah. Ronan. And then he decides to stop closing down Ronan. And I thought, oh, he's charging to the penalty box to to get because they're shorting bodies in the penalty box. They weren't, though. Instead, he just kind of runs alongside his fellow defender. And then when the cross comes in, he does the most pitiful slide tackle to try and block it. And it just looks like, for the angle behind the goal, it just looks like he falls over. And then he gets the right. Not only does he not stop the cross, he does nothing to impact things in the box. He literally just runs in a straight line and then slides on the ground. <laughs> as, the, the, as the ball's then floated into the centre, battered, and Stephen O'Donnell batters it off Ricky Lamy and then it falls for Brophy to score. And there was pinball for, was it St Mirren's first goal as well? The... No, Motherwell's first goal as well. The a Sitman player heads off his own player as well, isn't there? There's not pinball for one of the other goals. I'm trying to mind, there was too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> I only watched this like an hour ago as well. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, to, to go to kind of any, any bigger picture stuff, Stephen Robinson is already making the Sitman fans hate him quite a lot. Um, six defeats from seven games, and the only win was score a last minute winner against easily the worst team in the league. Away from home, so there's some degree of, yeah, well done for that. But overall, it's really been poor. And he said after the game, we're in a dogfight. That's the reality. I thought this about three weeks ago when I assessed the squad. No, he's very... No, no Samin fans thought you were in a dogfight at that point. He's... They thought they had a decent team. And maybe getting into the top six. You were at half-time one of the matches, you were in fourth. But no, I mean, it has been very strange in that respect. I mean, how Motherwell win one game in 13 or something like that, and they're... They're fifth in the league or whatever it is, so it has been a, it has been strange. But yeah, he he does seem very reactionary. And he another thing he said after the game was that because he makes a lot of excuses. But another thing he said after the game was a few players' heads have been turned, and I wonder whether he's meaning. Uh, well, he's obviously meaning Charles Dunn because he's dropped him to the bench, but. Um, you wonder whether he means Anik as well because he, I know he was suspended, he got sent off the the week before, but that's maybe like a, a wee bit of a heads gone moment from him. And you also just wonder whether, is he rubbing players up the wrong way? Well, he, the he might be. There's a slight Terry Butcher vibes about this, I think, because he did say a couple of weeks ago, about three weeks ago, that... When he came in, there was players who had been... He was going on again about like Goodwin signing players, so these weren't his players. So he said that players have been offered deals or were told they were going to get new deals, and he says they've, he's now told them that they're not getting them. That's a weird thing to do. Like I wouldn't be saying at this stage of the season, when you've still got something to play for, and certainly still got something to play for now, because they're now only six points off of St. Johnson, and then the way that the form for both teams are going, I, I don't think St. Johnson are going to catch them. But would you be entirely surprised at this stage? I wouldn't certainly be. That you can't tell players you're not going to be playing next year, next summer, because that just makes players like they did at Hibs. You go, oh, well, fuck you, why should I care so much for you then if I'm not going to be in your in your team anyway? You need to at least tell them like, ah, oh, play hard, and then you know we'll, we'll see how things go in the summer, kind of thing. Don't tell them that you're de- you're definitely not staying, because I'm looking at guys like there aren't too many guys in the Simon squad who are out of contract this summer who are first team players who I think would have been offered new deals. But of them, Conor McCarthy is out of contract. Scott Tanzer, I know he wasn't playing, but uh, Ryan Flynn, Alan Power. Like, those are those are all guys that are kind of, I thought that Jim Goodwin might offer them a new deal and have 
Robinson's already said you're not getting a good deal, then maybe it's no surprise that Alan Power gets a bit overrun in the centre of the park and Conor McCarthy looks rubbish for most of this game. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it depends on how it's done. It depends on how you've pulled those players aside and said, I mean, if it's done in a sort of motivational, like you have to prove to me or whatever. But if it's a toys out the pram type thing after a couple of defeats and it's like, well, that new deal you were getting, forget it or something. You know what I mean? It would depend very much on how it's done. But and completely guessing here, because I don't know anything about what goes on behind the scenes at St Mirren, but um, given what he's like in front of the media could maybe see that he would rub people up the wrong way a wee bit sometimes, uh, Stephen Robinson. Right, let's move on to Dundee against Aberdeen. The two-all draw in this one. I was trying to think of a link between Mark McGee rubbing people up the wrong way, but I was just uh, too tired. I couldn't really make Everybody it. Everybody rubs him up the wrong way. Yeah, there you go. The other way about. Especially some people, especially anybody with a camera phone. That, yeah. that certainly rubs him up the wrong way. Uh, but it would have been Jim Goodwin who would have felt rubbed up the wrong way after this one because his team can't defend set pieces, apparently. You were there, Craig. Was it was it what it looked like on the highlights with Aberdeen dominating and then just inexplicably being unable to defend a crossball from Charlie Adam? Yeah, I mean, Aberdeen thoroughly dominated the game. It was a fairly even start to it. Um, Dundee were... And for when they did get into uh, up the pitch in the first half, they especially in the early stages of the game, they got into good positions quite often, but they were just always lacking that final ball. Aberdeen kind of grew into the game more and they were they were kind of peppering Dundee's goal but from range they hit the bar um, and Ramsey even had which wasn't in the highlights he had a similar almost exactly the same but he cut in from the same position unleashed a left foot shot and Lawler saved it it was a bit higher this one so it was easier for the keeper and then that one he came inside and he kept it low and it just seemed it felt like there was a, an inevitability to Aberdeen taking the lead and it felt like, at halftime, it felt like the game was just either going to peter out like that or Aberdeen would add to their lead. And Dundee changed things about a wee bit, a wee bit, a tweak in the second half. It was more to the formation rather than the personnel. Didn't really change the game much. And the difference, the difference then was, it was pretty much just bringing on Charlie Adam, who has been uh, who's been in hospital not that long ago, and he had an injury before that, so he wasn't fit enough to to start the game. But I mean, he didn't even have to come on and do too much running. It was just what he's best at. His absolutely amazing deliveries. Don't need to go over that because that's been obviously covered quite a bit in the the highlights and stuff. But. Um, I mean, I suppose it's equal. To answer your question, yes, it's, it's equal parts the great deliveries from Charlie Adam, but it's it's, it's terrible defending. The, the the first one, I suppose, it's just a bit of a, a bit of a scramble. You can you can point fingers, but the uh, the second one's really really bad. I mean, Mullen shouldn't have a a free header like that it's right in the centre of the, <laughs> of the goals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, two cracking finishes from Aberdeen. They're a very weird team at the moment. They just need to. They just need to stay in the league and and rebuild next season. I think obviously Goodwin would have come in and thought, I've got a good chance of increasing my budget for next season and getting into the top six. But now it's just make sure that St Johnston get nowhere near you and, and think about next season. They've still got a chance, incredibly. It's mad. If they win and if they beat Ross County and, oh, yeah. and Hearts beat Hibs, it can happen. They're, they're top six. Yeah. Wild. It's not. Uh, yeah, so they could, they could um, be either two points above 11th next week or they could be in the top six, yeah. That is, that is quite a difference. <laughs> it's wild. 
done the uh, what did like the four points. Sorry, I think it'd be four. So uh, what the six ahead at the moment? Was on. it five? Five? I can't remember because the the results kept changing towards the end of the game. I, I stopped writing my top line after a while, and then one that I'd written, which became dated, then became okay again because the the match was level again. So I ended up sticking with that one. So they are. Aye, they're very unlikely to be any closer than five points. Worst comes to worst. There's, there's six points out of St. Johnson now. St. Johnson go to Celtic is. Park. Right, okay. So, unless we're saying St. Johnson are going to beat Celtic at Celtic Park. So, aye, it's probably, they're probably going to be six points ahead regardless of the result. So, they probably maybe don't have to worry too much about that because they are starting to put together a wee bit of... starting looking better in terms of performances and stuff. It's just... I mean, I know it's, it's different for this because it was set pieces... So defending slightly different, you're defending more as a team than you are kind of relying on individuals. But he's obviously wanting to to make Aberdeen a stronger outfit to defeat regardless. And he will be aided in that when he can get to the summer and sign better quality centre-halves. Yeah, I think that I think that's a big part of it. But um, to talk about Dundee, I have thought they were done for a while now. I think St Johnston losing and them not picking up a win here, I think... I think that all but confirms it. I mean, we'll come on to St Johnston, but they, even before they've put this wee run together recently, um, there were still flashes, a few flashes before that, that something was there. They had a good January. And Dundee, they're just, there's just not enough goals in that team to, I, to I like, overhaul the... I like the starting 11 as well when you... Dundee are famous this season for having no good fullbacks. So let's put three of them in the team. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and in a, in a formation where you're also more reliant on them because they're your only wide players. That's uh, it's genius, right there. Uh, he then changed it the second half with Adam coming on and changed it to a four four two, which, like you see, Adam wasn't fit enough to start the game. But yeah, playing three five two with Cabe Kerr, um, Chris, fucking what's his name again? Christy, Christy Elliott. Elliot. For some reason, like every single other Elliott flashed in my mind. There, I was like Stuart, Stephen, Billy. What the? What's his name? Calm <laughs> and Jordan Marshall as well. Like, yeah, don't don't do that. I actually put in. We didn't end up running it. We, we, in fact, we didn't even end up running the section. But for our meeting for a view for the terrace last week, we were doing backseat manager, and I put forward it wasn't going to get picked. We were, instead we were going to run with Joel's one about looking at Motherwell, and they're just like the interview with Phil and McIntyre was like. Too much good stuff in it, so we just scrapped that and didn't even bother filming it. Uh, but my proposal was for Dundee to change formation into a three-five-two uh, with none of their fullbacks playing. <laughs> just play their wingers at <laughs> wing back because if you're not going to get any decent fullback player, then why bother with them? Why bother with position altogether? Just get, just make it fun. Get, stick some wingers in there. Be attacking as anything, and just just make it fun for your fans. As it's like um, it's like when you're told how long you have to live, and you just you just want you to be comfortable. It's like that. It's like for Dundee fans, just want them to be comfortable and see some attacking football. They missed the trick point in Mark McGee and not you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one final thing we have to absolutely love: uh, Bejuin pretending <laughs> to be injured and then just jumping up and celebrating. Tremendous stuff. Yeah, it's brilliant. I just missed it as well. I was recording um, and. I actually, I, I must have gone to stop recording as the first of two Dundee players, I think it is, goes to try and pull him up, rather than defend 
<laughs> the game's still going on. <laughs> You're in a relegation battle, but they're trying to pull this guy that's dived up off the floor. But yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, as soon as it goes in, he, he, he kind of has to do a bum shuffle to make sure he doesn't get in the way of the play first, and then as soon as he sees it hit the back of the net, yeah, he's up and he's sprinting. Uh, one of the quickest players in the park, and yeah, he was sprinting at full <laughs> full pelt, so clearly wasn't injured <laughs> in the slightest. Right, let's move on to the game at McDermott Park, where St. Johnson, as we've already discussed, got a massive victory there now, six points ahead of Dundee at the bottom of the table. It looks at the very least like St. Johnson are going to give themselves a chance at survival in the playoffs, if not overtaking one of the teams ahead of them between now and the end of the campaign. This one was a case of St. Johnson scoring early through Callum Henry and then I think for the most part for what I could see for Saints fans who, had, who were at the game they just really kind of sat in for the most part didn't do too much else in attack didn't really create many other chances but then neither did Livingston although it has to be said Livingston should have had a penalty Yeah and they missed an absolute sitter but other than that yeah, I, I don't want to talk too much about the referee because I kind of want to get away from that because it's already kind of we, A we talk about it far too much in this country and B they've already talked about it in like sports and the like but Kevin Clancy, oh dear God, what were you doing in this game? It is one of the worst ones, yeah. And I think, um, is it right that he said that he thinks that Cleary's stumbled and fallen into it and that's why it's not considered a handball? Surely that still counts, though, because he's still moving towards it. Well, you look at a lot of the... You look at a lot of the... Ones that have been given where there's absolutely nothing a player can do about it. And yeah, you could think that would fall into that category. But not even that. I think it looks like he moves his arm towards yeah. it. It looks like it's a bit of a desperation move from him. But yeah, I mean, you've not found anybody. There's nothing we can really add, like you say, because you, you can't find anybody who's argued otherwise. Have you? I mean, I've not seen anybody argue otherwise. It's just, it's an absolutely terrible decision, yeah. And it could, I, I think this gets overdone. Um, especially when you're talking about months ago, but it is a decision which could really cost Livingston quite a lot of money. Yeah, no, then Martindale, I think, said that after the game, kind of laying out the figures, what it's going to cost his side if, if it comes down to this and they don't make the, the top six. But then again, we don't like to focus too much on referees and let's focus a bit on David Martindale himself because he's still got to figure out what the hell he's got to do with that attack without Bruce Anderson because Sebastian Soto is not the answer. I think... He was a bit isolated in this match. I think there looks like there's something there. He looks fairly hmm. athletic, fairly in- intelligent. I think uh, he had one of their best opportunities as well. He did. There was some horrific defending for Cleary in that one and as well. He, he actually did very well to, first of all, control it and then to work the opportunity for himself because he wasn't being given much support even there. And he managed to work an effort and pull out, I mean, the best save that... Xander Clark made I mean he should have been forced into a save by Obelai but your characterisation of the game was pretty accurate I mean St Johnston were fairly cagey after they went ahead and who can blame them but they've also they've lost something like 3-11 and 11 since that match against Kelty since they went out to the cup to Kelty and I mean that's like top 6 form Mm. In this league, in this season's uh, <laughs> premiership In this season it's European form <laughs> Yeah exactly so you wouldn't be surprised if once the Celtic game's out of the way um, and they're playing teams in the bottom six, especially um, a few whose seasons are all but over, you, you think that um, there's, there's a good chance they could put a few more points on the board. It's just whether they 
are able to then catch someone else. Yeah, they need they need somebody else to step up other than Hendry and attack if they're going to do that. Chiff G has not been good at all. Fans have really not taken to him. However, in this game, it at least looked like he cared. And that's at least the first step to him playing well. Yeah. Uh, so if he can just keep up caring over the next six games, he, we know he's got something magical in him that he could produce. So who knows? Perhaps he, he did. He, I mean, he was quite a... Uh, Quite a popular player at Motherwell. If he can just, without really scoring too much, if he can just kind of replicate that uh, yeah, for these exactly. final six games, then, then St Johnson will have a much better chance. Because I do think Cleary isn't as good as we thought he was when he came in. and But I think he's probably still an upgrade on what Effie Ambrose was for St Johnson and Lars Dendonker. So th- they are getting better in defence. In midfield, Murray Davidson makes a massive difference for them. Uh, he is just, just having that... That ball winner, that just this dependable leader at the kind of base here midfield, because then it means that Melka Hagberg has a bit more freedom to play his game, and it also means that Ali Crawford does do same with him. And it's no, it's probably no coincidence that I think the games where Crawford's looked okay for St Johnson or, or played well, and at least had some positive reviews from fans, which hasn't been too often, that he's been playing alongside Davidson and not Cameron McPherson. Yeah, I mean Crawford's got better. Halberg's made a difference. But Henry's, Henry's a big one. Bringing Henry back in, seven goals in 11 matches. His goal's been worth 10 points. It, 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 he's just been the the recall of the season. Yep, let's go for that. I don't think there's much competition. <laughs> be a difficult one. Ross, Ross Graham. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah, actually. Hmm. Uh, is there any way to fight trying to write ourselves out <laughs> Hang on, hang on. There he's still poker. <laughs> Okay, no, this is probably going to take too much time. Uh, this is maybe this is maybe a feature for for another day, but uh, or maybe we'll just do it at the picture. We'll just chuck this in at the end. Just have a quick look through who else who else was brought back on loan. Right, anyway, uh, no one final thing I wanted to say on Martindale because we kind of got off on a tangent there. Like I disagree with you and Soto. I don't think he played well. Uh, I, I, I think there's some there's obviously something to him. He's on loan from uh, Norwich, is it? Yeah. So he's, if he's going to be contracted to an English Premier League club, he's going to have something about him. Um, but I don't think he really knows how to play with his back to goal. There was a couple of times, I actually just watched his clips. I didn't watch the game, but I watched his clips because I didn't really know much about him. I don't think he knows what he's doing <laughs> all the time. Like there was a couple of times where it was just kind of his ball to have and just keep and then make sure you feed it to a Livingston attacker, and he just kind of ran down a blind alley, didn't seem to really know what he was doing with it. And yet he does well to fashion that chance, but he still turns very slowly, and it's just really, it is really bewildering defending from Cleary why he gives him so much space to do that. Just If he gets touched tight with him, I think Soto goes anywhere there, but for whatever reason, he just really lets him, it actually just stands back and lets him turn in the penalty box, which is wild. It's literally like defending 101 to not do that, and he gets away with it. And he gets away with it late in the game as well with that bloody handball. Were there any other Americans that didn't look like they knew what they were doing that you saw this weekend? <laughs> get to that in a second. Uh, that would have been a nice link as well, but I wanted to add the final thing about David Martindale was uh, Stephanie Omeonga has not been playing well recently. That, that has to be said. That's not necessarily his fault that his best player is underperforming. However, and under no circumstances... None. Do you take off Stefan Omeonga for Sean Kelly? He put in the cross for Ovalai. I don't care! <laughs> wild! I said wild about three times now, I need to think of another one. But you're right, um, that was something that I'd written down that I forgot to mention, that Livy going off form has coincided with Omeonga going off form. Yes, 
And uh, they're missing Anderson as well, but you thought they still yeah. would have had a bit more up front about them. Because they seem to have a bit more up front about them early in the season when Anderson wasn't even starting every game. So I don't know what's kind of gone on uh, wrong completely there, but it certainly has. Right, speaking of things going wrong, Hibernian season's uh, <laughs> it's really on the precipice right now, isn't it? Lose next week and there's a very real chance that they fall out the bottom six. And if they do that, they're then going into a... Cup semi-final with Hearts at Hamden already feeling sorry for themselves at a time where energy prices are going through the roof <laughs> petrol prices are going through the roof they're not going to sell it that semi are they um, well not well and then if that happens is it a case of like Craig Gordon says that the 06 semi like just Hearts players just come, coming out the tunnel and see that the Hibs end was half empty and see the Hearts end was full thinking right we've got this I mean, I feel like this is like low-hanging fruit for us. It's <laughs> true, isn't it? Like, they, are, they are fucking their season in a massive and way. We're in, we're in Tony's house and he's not here to defend himself. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, I'm trying to say this without sounding like a, a, a wanker Hearts fan, but they, they struggle to sell out their end at semi-finals at the best of times, don't they? <laughs> so I don't think with them not really, with a lot of them not really taking to their new manager or some of the things that the... Owners are doing or whatever, um, the probably, and the prices, let's not, I mean, I know you were being a wee bit flippant there, but and I know that you know there's a serious point in that, but yeah, there will be some people who will be looking at what's going on and deciding that the price and their wages not buying as much as it yeah. used to be, they'll decide not think to about if you're fine as well, and that'll affect every team, not just Hibs. Think fans. about if you're a father and you've got like one or two children to take to the game. Mm-hmm. And your ticket's going to cost 35 Theirs is going to cost 15 Unless you're behind the goals And you can't see bugger all And then it's 25 and a turner That's before you even get there And that's before you even get there Exactly uh, I got a I mean it'd be off peak So it'd be different But I got an any time return to Glasgow on Friday It was £27 That is Wow That is incredible And yeah And it's fair, It's also kind of like Fair enough the way they're playing right now, I know that it's the fact if it wasn't for Robbie Nielsen, if it was Gary Locke, it's still even if it was Gary Locke in charge of hearts, I'd say Hibs have no chance the next two games. So that comes to Robbie Nielsen seems to have a problem with beating Hibs, that I really think the Hibs have got a chance because otherwise, what have they really got to cling to at this moment in time? They are pish. Hibs are pish. Gary Locke had a very good record against the uh, Hibs. That's what I'm saying. No, I'd say if Gary Locke was in charge, I think Hearts were definitely winning. So Robbie Nielsen's my only doubt. Oh, right. Because he doesn't win derbies. That. Right, okay. And right. even Sean Maloney's got a draw in a derby so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they are just, they're not any good. Hibs are not any good. And to be fair, what I will say for this game, because it may sound like I'm being a bit harsh, Hibs were the better team. Hibs yeah. were definitely the better team in this game. Dundee United scored the early goal, and then I think Dundee United did stronger the last 10 minutes. Other than that, they really did Square it bugger all in this one match. of the positives would be Harry Clark coming back and takes he that was good. goal. He plays well, he takes that goal very well, he plays an unfamiliar position, but that's that's been Harry Clark's season. There were points um in the season where he played midfield for Ross County and he was he was the and there was times where he was finishing so he scored one or two very, very good goals with like technically very good finishes this season as well. And there was a point uh, when Ross County weren't very good and he was actually their best player in about four, three or four different positions and they could have done with a few more of them and it seems like Hibs are maybe in that 
situation yeah. at the moment because they could do with him at right centre but they could I mean I know Cadden's been he's not been the, the worst player the, the most culpable for Hibs this season but he, you reckon that he'd be a very good right wing back as well yeah. uh, in that team Harry Clark so yeah so yeah he played left wing back which was a curious decision and didn't look like it was working at all while Hibs were behind and I know this is kind of uh, you know kind of with the benefit of hindsight type thing but he did get better after he scored, uh, and he, especially at the start of the second half, he was playing with the most energy in, in that hip side, and he did look a, a threat coming in from from the left. And you can see after the goal why Maloney did it. Uh, I was too thick to to work out what the fuck he was doing beforehand, but it's obviously what he didn't get on the end of Cadden's crosses. He shouldn't have got on the end of that one. Liam Smith makes a pretty bad defensive error to get caught underneath it. But that was the plan, and yeah, maybe Hibs actually, maybe I was a little bit harsh on the Miller because maybe that plan would have worked a little bit. Better if Cadden's crossing, which Cadden's crossing is not great at the best of times, but he at least usually gets it in with a fair degree of whip and keeps it in the park. Uh, he just doesn't pick anybody out. But Clark is the kind of guy you want attacking in for the back post to, to charge at them and throw his head at it. He just didn't really get too many opportunities because a lot of Cadden's deliveries were sailing far away from Clark. They just, he just wasn't really at it in that game. And his deliveries can be better than that, so maybe it'll work a bit better. But otherwise, they just don't really have anything. Like... In the first half, their tactics would be give it to Jasper and see if he can do anything. But he was he was carrying a knock, and I think he could tell because he was really off it. He was taken off at half time for Ewan Henderson, who nope, don't see it with him. Uh, Chris Mueller got better as the game went on. Dreadful in the first half. Melkerson wasn't in the game at all. First half better in the second. Had a couple of half opportunities before that chance at the end, which he really should have buried. Uh, but overall, I mean, and the defense played well defensively, but again, they were kind of missing. Well, they were missing Porteous's passing ability. And it's just... It's like this most week with Hibs. You look at through at the team and you think, surely this team is stronger than the sum of their parts. And they really, really show that. And they've not really... I mean, again, you can say the Motherwell game, but then Motherwell had a man sent off. And I do... I've said before on this podcast, I do think that was still a better performance for Hibs, despite the... I still think you could class that as a, a good performance for Hibs because it was what they had trouble doing, which was breaking down teams that were stubborn against them or maybe not even stubborn against them just breaking down teams in general even teams that <laughs> usually give away goals to other sides where we're not to Hibs so that was at least something but other than that like that game in the derby and is that it since Maloney's first two matches in terms of Hibs looking good there was one no these first two matches one his first two yeah but since then so since this year I'm trying to think, is there any other game in which Sean Maloney's Hibs have looked any good? Because I'm going to go with no. Uh, well, how were Dundee United? Uh, I mean, somebody that we should talk about, we've already mentioned him earlier, is Ross Graham. What a weird season he's had. He has got it on Firmland, barely got a look in, or he did for a while, didn't look very good, then barely got a look in for weeks, months on end. He's come back, now he's scoring for Scotland under 21s and scoring and looking like a very composed player beyond these years in that Dundee United defence since he came back. I remember the first time I, I saw him up close was in the nil-nil the at Dens Park and that was that was maybe like his second game. I think it maybe had come on as a sub the week before or something like that, but it was definitely like his his second appearance or his second start since coming back from Dunfermline and he was one of the best players in the park he didn't look out of place at all yeah no he was uh, he he was one of the few Dundee United players I was impressed with it was kind of to be honest for both teams I was only really impressed with defenders 
Uh, up front, neither team had much of anything going on. Uh, Mark McNulty, yeah, back to being the, the player that Dundee United fans hate, <laughs> love to hate. Tony um, Watt looks. Tony Watt spent most of the game falling over, but he does, he does well for the goal. But I think from quite a lot of what I've seen Dundee United in recent times is he'll do a lot of great work outside the box, but there's not really anybody on the end of what he's doing. Finishing what he's doing. Aye, they, they, they need more. They need more quality in attack next season. They brought on they brought on uh, a player for his debut who I'd literally never heard of before. Right, let's go to our final game. Let's get this over with. <laughs> Ross County against Hearts. Craig Gordon. How does he keep doing it? Craig Gordon. Although, I mean, I mean, let's be honest, any of the big talking points, by the time it comes to the Monday, they've been done to death. I would like to say that... Ross Laidlaw's been overshadowed in this and he deserves some praise that he's not been getting. He saves a penalty. I know it's not a great penalty, but he also makes a good double save of his own at the end from Josh Ginelli. And I know he's got his detractors. He's not always the, the greatest goalkeeper, but he's kept them in with a good shout of a top six for, for, for his performance. But everybody's quite rightly looking at Craig Gordon and that that double save is uh, it's, it's just unreal. I mean, Callahan, you could point... You can point fingers, but it's, I mean, it's difficult to want to, or to be seen to kind of be taken away from such a, a great moment. But yeah, you think Callan can maybe hit that a bit sooner. Yeah. He's trying to take that extra beat to make sure, but he really just gives Craig Gordon more of a chance of saving it. Yeah, yeah I thought that as well. Um, especially looking at it on the the slow-mo films, the, the Jalen films that, that Hearts put mm-hmm. out on their, on their socials. You could see Callahan taking quite a bit of time to to kind of sort his body out. Yeah, and I was like, surely just hit it. It's the kind. <laughs> it's the kind of one you know. If you miss hit, you've got more chance of putting it in. If you can, yeah. uh, if you sclath it or something. But yeah. it's one of those ones again where Gordon has just been so good at his career at doing. And I mean, to to the uninitiated, I think they would maybe look at stuff like that and say, "Ah, oh, he's just lucky because he's kind of like he's just putting these kind of." But you have to still put out a strong hand into, and you still have to. Anticipate where a ball is going to go, and he knows that's where the Callahan's are most likely to put it, and he puts his hand into that strong and area. He gets such so much of his arm and hand behind it that it deflects it away from the goal as yeah. well, because you can get a lot on it, but still just just help it into the net, basically. Yeah. But you, it's, it's what you would normally see happen in that situation. Goalkeeper gets something onto it, but it goes in the back of the net, and nobody blames the goalie because, of course, not. How could you? Exactly, yeah. So, aye, it's fantastic, and it's just another one of in a, a great week and then a great season for for Craig Gordon. Yeah, not much to say about this. Ross County maybe feel a bit aggrieved they didn't win the game. They did hit the woodwork three times, and uh, they could have easily, they should have went 2-0 up as well after Jakovic opened the score and Charles Dunn, eh, Charles Dunn, Christ's sake, Craig. Charles Cook <laughs> at the back post had a great chance to... We quite a cool finish as well. We side foot past Gordon, giving him no chance. Only problem, it came back off the post. And if they get that one, maybe difficult to see Hearts with not a whole lot riding on it to come back for that. Hearts do come back for that. Uh, they missed a penalty early on, Barry Mackay. With I'm not going to blame the referee too much for this one. It's quite an impressive dive, I think. Yeah, he makes uh, it look like there's contact, even though there's not. Yeah, it's, he's totally conned the ref. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, and then it was embarrassing. A, a piss poor penalty to follow up. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why he's taken it anyway, but he manages to get his second goal in two weeks, and then yeah, kind of Craig Gordon has his heroics in the second half. But for Hearts, it was just kind of sports love, like going up to Dingwall for these games. So I think everybody was just happy they didn't spoil the mood by getting beat. 
And yeah, it kind of keeps the momentum going. It does it, and, and I, I think um, what you've got to remember is that Hearts have got a lot of injuries at the moment. They they, decided, they made a strategic decision to go with a smaller squad. It was always going to catch up with them at some point. They got lucky for large parts of the season that they weren't really didn't have that many players affected with injury. It's happened a lot more this year. They had a wee bit of a poor spell. They rode that out. They done well, but they, I think they done well to keep the results going because. There's there's a, been quite a number of players out over the last few weeks since that Dundee United game. Basically, there's there's always been a number of players out, and the squad is very stretched at the moment. And it's okay for these matches that are for Hearts anyway a dead rubber against Ross County. But we're getting to the we're getting to the business end now. We've got a, a a match which again in the league for us is a bit of a dead rubber. But you can't really approach the Hibs game like that. Certainly, Robbie Nielsen can't approach it that like that. Then yeah, you've you've got the the cup running, so it'll be interesting to see who, if anybody comes back, because they're talking about Devlin and Suter will be lucky to be back for those ones. So it could be a similar squad to what Hearts have been going with for the last few matches. Could be what we see in the semi final. And the top six dream stays alive for County. They are a point off of Hibs, and would say in prime position to take advantage of any slip ups from Hibs. But they do travel to Aberdeen. That's to be said, though, they have drawn twice with Aberdeen this season. So they're, they're, and they're certainly capable of going to Pataudry and getting a victory, I would say. I, if that comes down, I was thinking about this last night when I was watching the highlights. I think if that comes down to a shootout between Aberdeen and like who who wins that match, it gets into the I think Ross County are favourites for that. I mean, just going on form, they, they look a team. They look more of a team than Aberdeen have. Um, it's just. Yeah, I think there's been quite a few teams this season where they've had very poor runs and then they've had a great run for a while and then they're a poor run for a while. I think County have been one of those teams, but Aberdeen have just been like kind of abject all the way through, it feels like. The, the only games they've really raised their game for have been Rangers and Hearts and things like that. They've, they've really not done well against the, the so-called smaller teams don't know why I said smoke, so-called, they are, they are smaller. So yeah, I mean, I, I would have county favourites for that. If that's a case of there is a, the winner that takes a top, uh, takes a top six spot, I would, I'd be back in county for that. I was trying to find <clears throat> Kieran Culkin's quote from Succession, Roman Roy, for a, a team, but I've not been, I've been able to find it. Hang on, wait, because you guys are a team, and when a team is a team, they can't actually physically be beaten. It's impossible. So go hard. Go fast, go you lovely bastards. And that's Hearts he's supposed to be talking to, isn't it? That's when he's yes. supposed to talk, talk so to the Hearts players. So that's you saying that to St Johnson now. <laughs> You've bought St Johnson. You meant, sorry, not St Johnson, Ross County. Jesus Christ, right, let's end this now. I started off so, I thought I, thought I was in good form starting off this episode. I've just, it's all, it's all fallen away. Clearly, we got through it. Clearly like Charlie Adam, I was not ready for a, a full podcast. <laughs> I should have been brought on at half time. But anyway, thank you very much to everybody for listening to this. I apologise for my inability to say the right things for the last 20 minutes. But it's been lovely talking to you anyway, and lovely to be joined by you, Craig. Thanks, Craig. It's been nice. And if you'd like to hear me be unable to talk for about 15 to 20 minutes longer, please head over to the patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast, where we are going to have a, a longer look at Celtic season under Ange Postacoglu and how wrong many of us were were some of our assumptions and, and sweeping statements earlier in the campaign and just kind of what it's 
how big a role a manager can play in turning around a club that looked like a shambles. So if you'd like to listen to that, that'll be on the £2 per month tier. £2 per month, what a bargain. So yeah, head over. Patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. That'll do us. <sighs> Goodbye, Craig. See you later. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.